You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Thank you, folks. That was wonderful, beautiful singing. You can't beat those old hymns, can you, brother? No, you can't beat them. There's power in those things and the other songs too, but those old hymns, thank God for them and enjoyed the good singing this morning. Man, what a wonderful crowd for a Tuesday morning and great to see friends in and appreciate y'all taking the time to drive over and be here and church, thank you for your, uh, your hospitality again and kindness and all that you provide for us and and the beautiful place to stay, very comfortable, and and the great uh, the great uh, snack basket. And the reason it's great is because there's only one piece of fruit in it. <laughs> the rest of it is chocolate and beef jerky and real food, you know, not that other stuff. And so that's what really makes it great. So it's been a blessing. Amen. And just a joy to be back in Texas. Um, of course, I said before, when you're from Illinois, it's a joy to be anywhere. And... Uh, and uh, I even felt bad this morning. I was putting this tie on. I said, what are you doing wearing a blue tie in a red state? So I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, y'all forgive me for that. I didn't think about that until I was putting it on. Then I was too lazy to change it. So, But anyway, I see you men around here carrying those weapons in open. I tell you, uh, we... <laughs> It's a different story, and and uh, and and our brother's right. You know, I mean, it'd be interesting to know how many homicides in the last year were Amon Jordan compared to how many homicides were in Chicago. I promise you, I don't know. I don't know much about Amon, but I don't know. There can't be many more. <laughs> that place is a war zone. Strictest, some of the strictest uh, gun laws in the whole United States, and a uh, big heavy man up in the office there. I'm telling you, he's a big man, I'm telling you. <laughs> big in size, about that small in character. He uh, just signed, I mean, he signed a bill into law here at the beginning of the year, you know about that. I mean, you can't, yeah, AR-15s have to be registered, illegal now to sell them or buy them. And these are assault weapons, you know. And uh, your magazine for your pistol can't have more than 15 rounds in it. Now, you know about every magazine you carry for your Glock or your other Sega has a 17-round magazine. And so all those things are illegal. And by January 2024, if you're caught with them, uh, you are a felon. You're charged with a felony. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen. Of course, 60 of the uh, sheriffs of the 101 counties in Illinois stood up and said, we're not enforcing that. They took an oath to enforce the Constitution. And uh, so we're not enforcing that. So he's in a battle right now. It's going to the courts. He said they're going to be fines and stuff like that. He needs more money to fund his buffet. That's what he needs. He needs more money to, to fund his buffet. And uh, <laughs> I'm not kidding. Am I? I mean, that guy's humongous. But anyway, um, so I guess in a few weeks, we'll be out in California. And it'll be rather different to go to a state more communistic than the one I live in, but uh, we'll be there. So uh, God bless your state of Texas. Amen. Amen. God bless you. And I appreciate being here. Nehemiah chapter six this morning. If you weren't here last night, 
<coughs> I apologize uh, for the congestion, the cough, the voice. That's about it. And uh, do their best to get through it again this morning. And I do have to. I do have a cough drop in my mouth. So um, I was preaching in College Chapel. Preacher last Thursday had a cough drop in my mouth, and it was having a hard time. One of the students ran up with another one, and I said, "Man, I can put one on both sides here, Amen." And uh, and get. I was preaching Sunday night at the house, at the church, and uh, the thing had just about dissolved. And I exerted myself a little too much. It went flying out of my mouth and almost hit the boy on the front row. So y'all be careful here this morning, okay? Um, Let's read, please, verse 1. Now it came to pass, chapter 6 of Nehemiah, when Sabalat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work, so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease, whilst I leave it and come down to you? Yet they sent unto me four times after this sort, Come down to the plain of Ono, and I, Ono. And I answered them after the same manner. He said, oh, no, I'm not coming to oh, no, right? <laughs> then sent Sanballat his servant unto me in like manner the fifth time with an open letter in his hand, wherein it was written, it is reported among the heathen, and Gashmu saith it, that thou and the Jews think to rebel, for which cause thou buildest the wall, that thou mayest be their king, according to these words. And thou hast also appointed prophets to preach of thee at Jerusalem, saying, There is a king in Judah, and now shall it be reported to the king according to these words. Come now, therefore, let us take counsel together. Then I said unto him, saying, There are no such things done as thou sayest, but thou feignest them out of thine own heart. For they all made us afraid, saying, Their hands shall be weakened from the work, that it be not done. Now, therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. I want you to notice in verse 3, Nehemiah said, I am doing a great work. At the bottom of verse 9, he said, Oh God, strengthen my hands. Now, I want to preach this morning very specifically to Heritage Baptist Church. Okay, now, uh, biblical principle applies across the board. You know that. So hopefully God will use it for everybody's heart this morning. But I really want to speak to uh, the people of Heritage Baptist Church. I want to speak on the subject. And when Satan fell, his music fell with him. And there's an evil, dirty, filthy music in the world that Lord certainly doesn't do us any good. But psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs accompanied by instruments and sung in the power of the Holy Ghost really do something for our heart and our soul. And so my heart's been blessed already today, lifting up these good songs to you. Now, Lord, we come to the preaching. And I pray, God, that you'll please have your way in this message. I pray that you'll specially strengthen Heritage Baptist Church and its people. Lord, I pray that you'll fill us all, both speaker and listener, with your spirit. Give us a great time in your word. We look forward to it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. (coughs) You you know the story. (coughs) The wall rebuilding project was well underway, and because it was the opposition was almost constant. And it was wearying 
to, the, to Nehemiah and to the people, the builders. And all of the opposition was designed by the enemy to discourage the builders so that ultimately the rebuilding project would be abandoned or at least the people would just wear out and give up. Now, who was responsible for the opposition? Well, verse 1 names some of those men, Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arabian, and the rest of our enemies. And as I mentioned earlier, it was relentless. You see it in verse number 2. You see it in verse number 4. You see it in 5, 6, and 7. We didn't read verses 10 and 11. But again, opposition, okay? It came in all shapes. It came in all forms. And all of it was designed to put the builders in fear and weaken their hands in the work. And we have the enemy's names and their devices listed in this chapter. But church, let me remind you of what Paul told the church at Ephesus in chapter 6 and verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. People are not our enemy but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Sure, there were people that Nehemiah and the others could see. There were people that Nehemiah and the others could hear. Those people were visible. They were audible. But truthfully, folks, they were just pawns in the hands of the real enemy who is unseen and invisible. Did you ever, did you ever play the game uh, the board game Stratego. You know what I'm talking about? It took like two armies and you had the little pieces and you got to, before you start playing, you set them all up and each little piece, you know, uh, is a one or a two or a three and more powerful than some of the others. And then you got the bomb, right? And you got the spy and you're encountering, engaging each other in battle. And, and, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I, 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 I never won when my wife and I were younger and, and the kids were little, we played Stratego, and she won every game. And uh, so what did you do? We quit playing. I'm not going to play a game I can't win. And uh, so we just quit playing it. But uh, uh, those little pieces, you know, had certain power. One had more power than two, and two had more power than three. You get it. You know, you play the game. But the truth of the matter is, all those pieces were put in place by the one playing the game, Right? They didn't put themselves in place. And I want to tell you, Heritage Baptist Church, listen, you're not going to go forward in your ministry for Christ and especially a building program without opposition. Satan did not sit idly by and watch Nehemiah and his men put that wall up. And he's not going to sit idly by and watch Heritage Baptist Church continue to build a work for the Lord without some planned and designed opposition. Now, I don't mean to cloud your day. It's, 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 I, we pulled in. What did we say? Look at that. It's a great day. But I'm trying to be real with you this morning. Okay. But here's the thing. The truth is, and you know this, that opposition and difficulty and trouble often energizes. It mobilizes the members to unite together for the good of the body. You know, if you're outside playing, maybe, maybe, you're <coughs> maybe you're at a picnic 
And there's a lots of activity going on. You know, kids are playing and there's softball and baseball and people are having all kinds of activity. And you're just standing around talking. Kids are throwing a baseball. And all of a sudden, you hear somebody holler, <laughs> watch out. And you turn and you see a baseball flying toward your face. You understand what happens when you see that baseball flying toward your face? Your knees buckle, your hands fly up, your head turns, goes to your, your waist bends over, and that's all reflexive. Every member of your body is acting together to protect the body from the, 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 the ball that was thrown. And church, Satan is going to throw trouble and he's going to throw difficulty at you. But if the members of this body respond and act properly, all the members will act together to protect the body from the opposition. That's what happens. Now, we've been through two building projects. Brother Gomez was instrumental in helping us through all of those with the financial part of it and and counsel and everything. We've been through two of those. And uh, my hair used to be uh, somewhat brownish blonde, uh, but it's the way it is. And they say, well, it's your age, but I've been this way too long, folks. <laughs> it was building. And went through a huge remodel project not long ago. And we had opposition every time. Every time. Now, you may not have, we had, we had union labor problems. Now, we have that in the Chicago area. may not have that down here. We had union labor problems. I remember in our first project, Brother Che, uh, standing outside and so excited they had started, you know. And uh, so you see the thing go up. And then a couple of days later, you know, somebody came in and said, Pastor, there's a, there's a picket line right at the church entrance there, the old, the old entrance. The picket line. I said, What? I had been promised that the union would not give us trouble. We had a non-union general contractor, but we had 65% of the subcontractors that were union laborers. I got, got, I got nothing against them. They, they, they did good work. But they were mad because the general contractor was non-union and the iron workers were not union laborers. And so this guy put up a wildcat picket line. I got on the phone to the business, the, the head guy in the area, the electrical business agent, Steve Magruder, was the head guy in the whole area. I said, Steve, I said, I said, I was promised we would not have any trouble with the labor unions and got a picket line outside the church here. And he said, well, he said, and I could tell he was caught off guard. It was a wildcat strike. And he said, well, uh, uh, you, you know, Pastor, I, I, uh, you, uh, would you just go out there and tell them that, that to go home and we'll take care of it later? And I uh, walked outside and I saw a truck full of materials for our project drive by the picket line, drive away. Full of materials. So I went out there to him. I said, his name was Richard. I said, I just talked to your boss, Steve Magruder. He said, for y'all to go home. He said, well, I said, yeah, he just said to go home. I just talked to him, got off the phone. It says four or five of them. He said, turn around, I said something, okay, go home. And he's kind of looking around. He said, well, uh, uh, I need a ride. I lost my license with a DUI. <laughs> so I said, get in the truck. I'll take you home. I put him, put him in the car, drove him home. And, uh, and I got on the phone and found us another uh, supply company. The guy promised me up there in Mantino. He said, Pastor, we'll deliver the material to your church if we have to do it at midnight. 
And so I canceled the project with the other supply company. Boy, they didn't like that. I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was nasty. We had, we had this, and, and had unions, had union trouble the second time. And we had remodeling setbacks. You're building a brand new building out there. There's an advantage to that. Because when you start adding on to an existing building, some of y'all know this, all of a sudden you find out how they built it at the beginning. And it's like, oh my soul. I mean, it looked like Amman Jordan. I promise you, it was, it was pathetic. It was unreal. And, and so we had to stop everything and something we never thought we'd have to do. And, and we had trouble with some contractors. And, you know, we did have a, a friendly relationship with our mayor and he was a help to us. And I was thankful for that. When like the one mayor I heard about in a town and the pastor came to his office on Monday morning and after all day services on Sunday, you know, and there was a dead donkey in the church yard. You know, what in the world? How in the world? And so he called the police. He said, I got a, I got a dead donkey in the yard. And the police said, well, you know, you have to call the, you'll have to call the sanitation department. So he called the sanitation department and, and got a dead donkey in the yard. And he said, well, you'll have to call the health department. We can't touch it without. So he said, he called the health department. I got a dead donkey in my yard here in the church. And he said, they said, well, we can get things started, but you'll have to call the mayor. And he didn't want to call the mayor because the mayor had a reputation of having a short fuse and blowing up. And sure enough, he called him mayor, pastor so-and-so. I came to church this morning, the dead donkey in the, in the yard. The mayor, what do you want me to do about it? I got a thing. I got a day full of all kinds of things. I got my whole list is full. I got a full agenda things with me here, hither and yon. And, and you want me to fool with a dead donkey? He said, by the way, isn't it the clergy's responsibility to bury the dead? And the pastor thought for a minute and he said, yes, but I always like to notify the next of kin first. And so, <laughs> uh, we had a good relationship with our mayor, but I, and I, I'm not going to bore you uh, with the details of, of, of every difficulty. I'm not going to bore you with that. We had opposition. And adversity and Heritage Baptist Church, you know, and it may not come in the way, in the shape, in the form of union strikes, and, you know, other things that come up unexpectedly because you're built, but it may come in other forms, but you'll not move forward in a project like you're in right now without opposition, without adversity. Now, what do you do? Well, what did Nehemiah do? I mean, I mean, you're in the middle of the project. So what should you do? Well, he was in the middle of his project. What did he do? Well, can I tell you, first of all, what not to do? You do not ask for a lighter burden. You do not ask God to remove the pressure. You don't ask God to lighten the load. Because people, the burden cannot be removed until the project is finished. The load will not lighten until the finish line is crossed. You don't ask God to make this easier. No, no, no. You do what Nehemiah did in verse number 9. Now, therefore, O oh God, strengthen my hands. A great work demands great strength. 
And the need is not a lighter load. The need is, the need is not less of a burden. How can that be, folks? You're under it. It's on you. You've picked up the load and you've started carrying the burden and your need, Heritage Baptist Church, is strong hands. And the messages so far, although I wasn't here about Sunday, pastor said last night, they were about prayer. And, and Brother Gomez and I never talked. Uh, when I saw him at the motel last night, it's the first time I've seen him or even talked to him for weeks. We didn't know how to pray. Here's a prayer all of you members can pray and should be praying. Lord, strengthen my hands. Lord, Strengthen my hand. Nehemiah is not crying. Oh, no, I don't understand all this stuff. And God, we're trying to do a work for you. And don't you remember, you're making us go through all this, all this stuff happening to us. And, and don't you see what we're doing? Cry, baby. He's not whining. He's not crying. Sure, God cared about him. Sure, God was going to help him. But he wasn't going to help them by taking the burden away or lightening their load. He was going to help them by strengthening their hands. And he did. Because verse number 15, look at it there in the text. So the wall was finished. He crossed the finish line. Not because the load was lightened or the burden was made less but because their hands were strengthened, Brother Jay. Their hands were strengthened. Now, with that thought in mind, let me take you to three passages here this morning. Look back at Exodus chapter 17. Look back at Exodus chapter 17. And I'm not going to take you any, to any places that are unfamiliar to you. <coughs> in Exodus chapter 17, and you begin in verse number 8, Okay, and I'm going to shorten the reading for the sake of the voice here. But you know the story, right? The children of Israel are going to battle, right? Against the Amalekites. And Moses said to Joshua, you go down and you engage in the fight. Physically. Joshua's going to go down and engage in the fight physically. He's going to carry his bow. He's going to carry his shield. He's going to carry his arrows. He's going to put on his armor. He's going to go down and physically engage in the fight. What did Moses do? Went to the top of the hill and prayed and while his hands were in the air. And by the way, I got no issue whatsoever with God's people worshiping God with uplifted hands in a good service. I had no issue whatsoever. I got a bigger issue with dead Baptists. People worried about wildfire in the pulpit, wildfire in the music. I'm going to tell you, we don't need to be worried about wildfire. we got enough ice cubes sitting in the church auditorium. It doesn't matter. I don't know why I said that this morning, but anyway. It's not even in the notes. But anyway. Moses said, I'm going up to the top. I'm going to sit on the rock. And when Moses did, what happened? Israel prevailed. And when Moses' hands were too heavy, Amalekites prevailed. And so Aaron and her. Praise God for Aaron and hers. And they said, Here, sit down on this rock. Her got on one side and Aaron got on the other side. And they held up the man of God's hands. 
and the battle was won. So what's our lesson here? And I, I probably should have read that, but you'll see it in verse 12. Moses' hands were heavy, took a stone, put it on her, sat down. Aaron and her stayed up his hands. And the other on the, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So here's our lesson, church, Heritage Baptist. Make sure you help hold up your pastor's hands. Okay? Make sure you help hold up. Now, look, I know I'm preaching to the choir, people that would come out on a Tuesday morning, take off work to be in the service. But I want you to listen to me for a second, okay? Nobody knows what pastor is going through to keep carrying the load of a building program. Nobody. And it's not a matter of him being smarter, although he is Asian. I will say that, all right? Okay, he is Asian. Yeah, but still, that's a pretty good half. Amen. That's better than us old boys from Georgia and Louisiana. <laughs> not because he's necessarily smarter or wiser. And can I say it this way? Not, not even more important as a person than any other member of this church. But he is in the lead. He's in the lead. Who did the enemies come after Nehemiah? They find a builder somewhere? No, who did they attack? Nehemiah. They came after the leader. <laughs> That's who he was. These setbacks and delays, and I'm not predicting anything. Maybe, maybe you'll sail right through it. Maybe, maybe it's not even the building. Maybe it's trouble among the membership. Setbacks and all of those things. He carries the decisions. And I know you got it. You told me yesterday, and by the way, he has not complained about a thing. So I'm not, I'm not preaching something that I took from him to come here. I'm just, God put this on my heart weeks ago for you, Brother Che, for the church. Um, you're talking about you had a good, good general contractor and yeah, that's a wonderful, good architect, and that's great. But tell me that they're making all the decisions. They're not. You know, and that some of you other pastors that have built, you know. It's decision after decision after decision, and after months of decisions, and I think we're finally done, Brother Cardenas. The general contractor walks in when I think we're almost, just, I'm done making decisions. Pastor, I hope you have a couple hours this morning. We got to walk around and we got to decide every kind of doorknob, every kind of, uh, you know, what do you need on every different door in the. And then you got to tell me how you want them keyed. And it just, it, it's just one thing after the other. And they, they are, are they, 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 they're, they're, I'm trying to the, uh, the line of, it's, it's called the design, the chain of work, what the thing slips in my mind right now. Oh, brother. The crucial plan or something like that. But anyway, yes, yeah, it was something about the, how, what work needs to get done. I got the critical path. There it is. I got it. Train's moving slow this morning, but it's moving. It will come in. It's called the critical path. And the critical path got messed up, and they took, Brother Cardenas, was that before you came? 
I think it was, they took all, which we didn't have much asphalt. You remember the old parking lot only parked about 30 cars. And they took all the asphalt off. And then the rain and the snow started. And we had mud for months. And, and, and walking through it in your shoes. And I, I went to the farmer fleet and got a pair of, I called them goulashes, you know, real rubber things slip over your shoes. And I told them, go get you some of these. And Beth Rarden was visiting her parents, you know, Kirk Beard over there. And, and Kurt said, Beth, what's wrong with your shoes? They're filthy. She said, Dad, you don't go to church where I go to church. And so, I mean, it was just, it, it, was, it was terrible. And we're meeting in this box, that old, that old gymnasium, and sitting on metal chairs on a concrete floor, and the, the, the heat and the air condition weren't sufficient. And there in my office, you know, is my regular desk. And other than now, now I got a big table, eight foot table here. And here's all the blueprints every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. Now, listen, the men of my church, they didn't see that every day. They, they went home. They, they, did, they went to their jobs. But every day. There it is, and decisions, and here's these things, and you're trying to study, and you're trying to prepare messages, and you're trying to counsel with people and care for the needs of the church and plan for the normal events. I'm not whining, I'm not crying, and I have Bible for this because in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul starts listing all of those difficulties that were, that were physical in nature. Do you remember that? And fasting's often and painfulness and weariness and thirstings and a day and a, day and a night in the deep. And five times I was hit with a rod 39 times, 39 times. He, got, he, he lists all those. And then in verse number 28, he said, beside those things that are without, the physical battles, beside those, that which cometh upon me daily, the care. The load. I'm not saying anybody, every pastor knows what I'm talking. And I'm not saying if you're not a pastor, you're dumb and ignorant. I'm not saying that. I served Brother Brown for 10 years and he, he almost used me as a co-pastor. And you know what I thought, preacher? I thought when I went to Pastor Faith Baptist Church, Brother Stowe, I, I, I thought to myself, I'm ready. Then I sat down in that chair and I learned real quick I wasn't ready. There's something about sitting in that chair and being, if you will, the Nehemiah, the lead. And church, your hands get weary and you thank God. You thank God for the errands and you thank God for the hers 
who were there right in their place, being what they were supposed to be and doing what they were supposed to do. And I said it that way in that order on purpose, because if you'll be what you ought to be before God, you'll do what you ought to do. Maybe, maybe they didn't even realize it, but by their faithfulness in serving God and teaching and soul winning and praying and singing and giving, oh, how they held up my hands. Because a great work requires great strength. Requires great strength. And 14 months in that gymnasium, we never lost. We lost one family who had never joined. They were just random visitors. And it was probably good that they left. They came and went. We, that's the only people we lost. We gained three to four families by salvation and baptism. And one family was reached by a teenage girl who invited them to come. Church, listen, Heritage Baptist, this is, you know, this may sound a little tough, but hang with me here. This is not the time for high maintenance church members that the pastor has to run around and hold up your hands. There's not time for that. It is time for low-maintenance church members whose purpose is to hold up the hands of their pastor. Amen. I remember this day for us. And you can smile and everything. But when this day happens, the enormity of it, and of course it's already begun here with the pad and everything. They came in and they pushed dirt. On Monday, began to dig those footings. And I realized, huh? Oh my goodness, yeah. What have I done? And I realized, okay, it's here. Call me weak, call me what you want to call me. It shook me. I had heard so many stories about building programs, ruining churches. Splitting. And the enormity of it fell on me. And I was driving, we were having soul winning that night, and I was driving out to make a visit out by Limestone. I remember coming out of Limestone, crossing the railroad tracks. I was in the car and just saying, Oh God, you got to show me that you're with me. You got to show me. You got to show me that you're with me. I need you to show me. I'm sitting in the office on Tuesday morning. The secretary buzzes me on the intercom and says, uh, Cloyd Helton is on the phone for you. Cloyd Helton. Cloyd Helton. I'm a freshman, 1976, Howes Anderson College. Jim Vineyard says, you're going to be in bus division six. So I was in bus division six. And the leader of Bus Division 6 was Cloyd Helton from Texas. He had polio as a kid. His knees were all weak and carried, you know, but from his waist up, he was an animal. And uh, he was my Bus Division leader, and we, our bus routes were right next to each other, and we became close friends. That spring, his dad died. had a huge ranch here somewhere in Texas, and his dad died. And at the end of the school year, he went home to help his mother and brother on the ranch. He didn't come back to school. So I, I, I knew him for one year. One year. This is, this is 2000. 
That was 1976. Cloyd, Terry, how you doing? Oh man, I'm doing good, man. Good. We talked, caught up for a while. Well, I don't even know why. I just had you on my mind this morning, and God told me to call you and tell you hello. I had a little prayer for you this morning. Anything going on? <laughs> That's honest God's truth, folks. I'm not embellishing the story. He said, I said, well, yeah, there is, Brother Helton, Brother Cloyd. We just started a building program, and, and just last night, the enormity of it all fell on my shoulders, and I asked God to give me a little encouragement. He said, well, he said, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. <laughs> that sounds like a Texan, doesn't it? Amen. And he said, let me pray for you. There was my Aaron. There was my her. So church, listen, it doesn't take much to be an Aaron. It doesn't take much to be a her during this time. So you make sure you hold up your pastor's hands. Number two, I want you to turn to 1 Samuel 23. First, I'm sorry, 2 Samuel 23. 2 Samuel 23. <laughs> in this chapter, we've got David talking about his mighty men. You're, you're familiar with that. Now, I won't read verse just 8, 9. He's talking about these men in verse 8. But look at verse number 9 with me. And after him was Eleazar, the son of... Either way you say it, folks, it comes out rough, Okay. <laughs> It's either Dodo or it's the other. And you I mean, <laughs> one of the three mighty men with David, when they defied, defied the Philistines, now look at verse 10. He arose and smote the Philistines with his, and, and smote the Philistines until his what? Hand was weary and his hand clave under the sword. He smote the Philistines until his hand, he took the sword in his hand and he did not put it down until the battle was won. People, they had to pry and peel his fingers off with a sword. Pry his fingers off. But who was it that won the battle? Look at verse 10. Look at the end of it. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day. It wasn't Eliezer. It was the Lord, brother. But Eliezer did grab hold of the sword and not let it go until the battle was finished and the battle was won. I had to pry his fingers off. So here's your lesson, Heritage Baptist. Determined to carry this load until it's time to lay it down. And sometimes, I'm amazed sometimes, it, 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 at the weak, passive spirit of some of God's people, at the first sign of opposition, at the first sign of trouble, you know, they want to appease the enemy instead of engaging the enemy. And sometimes, church, it's just, it just requires you to get a grip and not let go until God wins the battle. So grab this project and don't let go until the finish line is crossed. Do you know, and I don't mean to be pessimistic, but do you understand how many churches have started, started building projects and gone stagnant? 
and the building or the project sits unfinished and it drains on the people mentally and drains on the people emotionally. I'm thinking of one uh, place <laughs> up not, too, not in Illinois, but not too far from Illinois. And it was years and years and they had a big thing on the wall and the red line of giving just kept going lower and lower and, and the pastor and the thing just went on and people started leaving. It's wearing mentally and emotionally. You, Nehemiah, he grabbed the sword, if you will, and he did not let go until the wall was finished. And so you grab, you carry the load, and you, you stay with it, and you persevere until this thing is done. And don't let up. Now turn to Genesis 49. And this is the last one. We'll be <laughs> Genesis 49 and verse 22. Now what's happening in Genesis 49 is Jacob has called his sons together. He's going to die and he's, he's going to pronounce his last blessing on them, right? In this whole chapter. Boy, it's a tremendous chapter. You ought to read, study it sometime. Look at verse 22. He starts talking about Joseph. Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well whose branches run over the wall. The archers have sorely grieved him. And what? Oh, so that fruitfulness did not come without opposition. Shot at him and hated him, but his bow. I don't miss, I love this abode in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. Pastor, can you come up here just a minute, please? Do you understand what it says here? How Joseph's, the arms of his hands were made strong. The arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of his mighty God. So the lesson here, church, is don't forget where your strength comes from. Don't forget that, brother. It's not in you. And that's no slap at you. But it's not in you. It's never been in us. No matter what we're trying to do for God. This is where our strength is. You understand, can you stay here just for a second? Twelve times in your Old Testament, your Bible speaks not only of God's mighty hand, but his stretched out arm. Twelve times. His mighty hand and his stretched out arm. Brother Che, when your arm is injured, when it's hurt or wounded, what do they do to it? They put it in a sling and pull it close to your body. And it really doesn't matter how strong your hand is when your arm is injured. Your strong hand doesn't do you much good. Does that make sense? You get it? But brother, a stretched out arm is necessary for a hand to be strong. And stretched out arms are necessary for your hands to be able to carry the load. But brother Che... 
the hands of your God are going to strengthen your hands and the hands of Heritage Baptist Church are going to be strengthened by the mighty hand and arm of God. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. And by the way, Brother Che, to you personally, the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. Who was Jacob to Joseph? Oh. So the same God that strengthened his father was there to strengthen him. And the same God that strengthened your physical dad and saved his soul and changed his life is still your God. And the God who strengthened the hand of your spiritual father for 40 years is still your God. If I felt like it right now, I feel like it, but I can't. I'd run around this building and shout. You think carrying that thing for 40 years was easy? That's how it happens. Heritage Baptist, Pastor Jay, you don't need a lighter load. You don't need an easier burden. Now, therefore, oh God, strengthen my hands. That's what you need. Strengthen my hands. When you think you cannot carry the load any longer, remember, you don't really have to carry it. <laughs> you just need <laughs> to get close to the one who will carry it for you. Okay. Serving Jesus, but in my own power, I was doing all I knew to do, but I was not prepared for the hour when a high mountain came into view. In my own strength, I struggled to climb it, but oh, such weakness I felt. Somewhere on that mountain in darkness, I came to the end of myself. But when I came to the end of myself, he was there to give me his help. When I said I'm not able, he said I am. In my weakness, I discovered the strength of the Lamb. His almighty power I felt when I came to the end of myself. So when you get to the place where you want to pray, Lord, take this away and ease the burden, lighten the load, that's not what you pray. You pray now, therefore, oh God, strengthen my hand. Because a great work requires great strength. I'm not old. I'm older. <laughs> but still, how old are you? You're old. And Brother Gomez is ancient, amen.
There's nothing that thrills our hearts more than these young guys. More than these young guys. God has let us maybe have a little part in influencing or helping and to see them pastor works with Abraham Brother Johnny someday that'll be you Brother Abe just thrilling it's thrilling in the preachers it's thrilling but a great great work requires great strength that's what you pray Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.